What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray. Basketball is officially back. As of the night that I'm recording this, the Lakers have beat the Clippers and Utah beat the Pelicans. It's great to see basketball back on TV. It does make me a little bummed out that the basketball hoops in my area are still chained and boarded up while the elderly get to play pickleball. So hopefully those hoops start opening them back up soon so I can play, but that's not the topic today. The topic today is how to flip and resell sneakers and find yourself making a profit. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to remind you, Keeping Stock is a weekly sneaker podcast uploaded every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite platform and let's get into it. It appears to be something that's becoming more and more common in sneaker culture as the bubble expands, more people are coming in, supply has marginally changed, and there's more eyes looking for certain colorways of sneakers that are selling out relatively quickly and hard to find. So much so that that secondary market is forecasted to hit around $6 billion by 2025. You can tell the growth of the industry as we already have StockX that thrives on the resale market. You have GOAT that are specialized to sneakers and they're expanding into streetwear and collectibles and handbags. But what you want to know is how do I resell sneakers? For the record, I'm personally not a reseller. I've never bought a shoe with the intention to resell it. And in most cases, if not all cases, all the shoes that I've bought have been in my preferred size of 12 or 12 and a half. Occasionally I'll find myself in an 11 and a half or a 13 based on the sizing recommendations, but I'm always shooting for my true size. With that out of the way, let's talk about how to resell sneakers in today's market. The first thing you're going to want to do is understand your location and your market. What this means is Are you in a sneaker hub such as LA, New York, Chicago? Are you in the Midwest with no sneaker stores around you? How are people purchasing sneakers? Are there local sneaker shops? Is everything done through Nike.com, Foot Locker, Shoe Palace, etc.? Are there Facebook groups? It's Craigslist where people are finding sneakers. Are you by a local college or are you by a large high school or the only high school? The reason why this is important to understand is one, how you're going to acquire your shoes, two, the competition for potential resellers or the potential market for which you to sell your shoes in. So if you live in a town that has zero sneaker shops, not even a footlocker, but it has a college in there, I'm sure that there's a college student body in some of those participants who may want to purchase your sneakers. Same for high school. All high schoolers want to look cool, be on trend, get likes on Instagram, and find the latest and hottest shoes. So infiltrating those markets, maybe it is through an active Facebook sneaker group, or maybe you create that sneaker group for your reselling purposes, invite people you know that are interested into sneakers is the first step. Because if you don't understand your market, you don't understand what you're selling to. It could be potential that your market doesn't like Jordan brands as much as they like Yeezys as those are hot right now, or they don't like the more limited Kith Asics or New Balance collaborations and things of that nature. So you have to understand the product that you want to sell to the people in your area and online. 
Once you've understood your location, what hustle are you going after? Because everyone thinks sneaker reselling is cut and dry in one sort of way. But realistically, there's a few ways to do it. You have the exclusive and limited releases with high profit margins, what typically everyone's going for. You may only be able to get one or two pairs, but you could turn around and make a profit of $500, $1,000 after fees and all those miscellaneous costs. Or you're going for the more hustle-based route. You're going to your local marshals, local retailers, and finding those shoes that have made it to these outlets or discounted prices or are just sitting on shelves in your local stores and collecting those and then selling those on a second party market for a marked up price. Further, you have thrifting where you're finding used shoes from a thrift store, Goodwill, Plato's Closet, and turning those in for small marginal profits. Furthermore, you could just be flipping on eBay, buying shoes at $50 and selling them for $75, buying shoes for $100 and selling them for $200, buying shoes sitting on them, selling them in a couple years. There's a ton of different hustles that go into reselling shoes. It isn't just getting the most exclusive releases or just getting all of one brand. That's how you're going to have to differentiate your time as a reseller and understand your goal. Because as soon as you understand your market of who you're selling to and how you're going to sell, further knowing where you're going to put that hustle into and creating a routine around that. Because if your strict thing to become a reseller is you only want to sell limited or exclusive shoes and your location doesn't have a single sneaker outlet or store, you have little to slim chances of gathering the quantity you're looking for to make this a valuable effort. And in this case, I'm not considering buying one shoe occasionally and selling it for profit because you know you want it as profit. As a reseller, I'm talking you're selling tens, twenties, hundreds of pairs of shoes a month with the strict intention of reselling those shoes. And within those categories of different hustles, you can also scale from thrifting and then move up to discounted retail, then to those limited exclusive shoes. You can work in the the 10x rule or the rule of tens. Say you put in 10 hours to get 100 shoes and you make a $100 profit. You scale that. Say you put in the same amount of work, 10 hours to get one shoe for a $100 profit and work smarter, not harder, is how you scale the, the rule of tens. So somewhere in the middle, you know, at first you may only be doing 15 or $20 profit sales because that's what you can acquire. Then you take that profit and invest it into a more expensive shoe. Then you make a larger profit and so on and so forth. That's part of understanding the hustle and how hard you want to go into this occupation. Next, you're going to want to immerse yourself in research in the sneaker community. Because yes, if you're listening to this podcast, you may know more than the average person about sneakers. But Reading all of the blogs, Nice Kicks, Hypebeast, Soul Collector, Complex, Bleacher Report Kicks, to understand the releases that are coming out in the future, understand the hype that's going on behind them, can tell you an idea of how hard you might have to work to get this shoe. And based on where you're at in the reselling process, maybe it's the certain context or plugs, so to speak, that you're reaching out to to try to help you acquire an extra pair or two or how many friends you need to call to help you gain another pair of Jordan 11s. 
that all factors into the reselling process. Then you're going on to even more niche sneaker topics like Reddit, Nike Talk, Twitter threads, Instagram comments to understand the true hype in the community for that sneaker because that can tell you a lot more than what the blogs are picking up. If it appears most of the comments on Instagram are fire emojis or people saying must cop or whatever they utilize, that means the majority of people are going to be trying for the shoe. And that's what I've noticed. All the shoes that have been very hard to get, you can tell by the comments. Some of the ones that are a little bit easier if you try and do the research coming out on multiple sites, you can tell by the comments. Then you can also look at sold listings on eBay or the stock X graph for shoes that you're thinking about acquiring and flipping. So say you're in a Facebook group with some kids from the local college. You notice that one kid really needs money. His car has been broken into. He's going to sell 10 pairs of shoes. You go over there, you check out what he's selling. And if you've done your research beforehand, you know what shoes are worth buying. You're not going to pick up a Nike free run, but you'll probably pick up a pair of Jordan 3s. Further, if you know those listings on eBay, StockX, Goat, what things are going for, you can make a better judgment. So when you do go over to purchase those shoes, you can efficiently utilize your allocated spend to buy those shoes and flip them for good profits. Because in the same situation, if you haven't done any research, but you know some sneakers are hot and you're looking at a, a Jordan 3, we'll say an example the fire reds that came out at all-star break you know wow those came out on all-star they must be a big purchase i know everyone loves threes this dude is selling them for 225 dollars. i know i can sell them for 400 and you haven't done any research on that and you're just generalizing all threes despite the colorway you'd be in a shock to find out that these jordan threes are typically selling around 190 dollars, ten dollars under retail and you got sucker thinking you're going to pull a fast one on someone that's the importance of market research. Then you can go further. What is the most common shoe sizes? Because if you're strictly reselling, you want to get sizes that are going to move quick. Yeah, in some cases you might make a better profit on a large size 17 on a limited exclusive shoe that an NBA player, an NFL player may purchase. But doing that research to understand what are the most popular shoe sizes that are moving. That way you can keep a sharper eye out and work in that rule of tens and do less work, make more profit by understanding what shoes are moving and what sizes. Typically, from my experience in retail, sizes 9 through 11 are the most common, are easy to move. As you kind of get into more of those outskirts, it does get a little bit more difficult. The profit margin can change for the better or for the worse. That's part of the research. Now, once you've understood your market, you understand the hustle and the effort that you're going to go through, the products you're going after. You've immersed yourself in research. Now you're going to start buying. You'd think that's the first step, but you don't want to start buying without knowing anything. So now you start buying, you understand your hustle. Maybe you're looking on OfferUp, Poshmark, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. Those are typically areas where people are selling that need money fast and you can get better returns on your spend. A lot of those situations, cars getting broken into, moving, no longer want the shoes, don't understand what they have, selling their son's or daughter's shoes who's moving away or is in college. You can find some great steals on there. Looking at eBay, StockX, Goat, making that valued judgment to understand are the prices going to go up on these sneakers in the future. 
You look at a great example, Travis Scott 4s. People were buying those for $350, $400, and they had thought that resale was peaking on those shoes. Lo and behold, those 4s are now selling for $1,000. That's part of the research, part of understanding the market. Because once you're comfortable, you can make those investment-like decisions to say, hey, I'm seeing these are only selling for $350, $400. Maybe if I buy a couple pairs, yeah, it's going to be a bit more money from my allocated spend. But in the long run, my profit from that $400 purchase to $1,000 purchase may be $500 after fees and other costs. You know, $600 in revenue, $500 in profit. It's just how that game works. One of the biggest regrets I have in my sneaker collection hobby, so to speak, is passing up on the Union Ones. A coworker and I were looking at the Union Ones on StockX. The graph had peaked and was coming slightly down. And we said, oh, give it about 30 days and it's probably going to level out about $75 less than where it's at. And at that point, Union Ones were selling for $475. So had I bought them, once again, I would have bought them to wear them, but had I bought a pair of Union Ones at that time for, let's say, $500, they are now selling for $1,900. That's a $1,400 revenue, $1,300 profit, whatever it may be. So you can see why it's important to understand the market and include that research when you're buying. In addition, maybe you're scheduling out where you're going to buy. Are you going to go to sneaker shows when they're back up and running? Sneaker cons, local meetups, places where people may be discussing shoes or selling and trading. Because sometimes, if you're reputable over time, you might be get a, a better deal. Or buying in bulk. If you know your stuff, you can buy in bulk and maybe save yourself $60, $75, because you're helping someone take off a good chunk of sneakers quickly with guaranteed cash. Then, while you're buying shoes and selling You'll want to develop a social presence. You hear it all the time, but no one's going to buy from you if they don't know who you are. Because yes, StockX is great, Goat is great, eBay is great. But once you rely on those platforms, those platforms giveth and those platforms taketh. So if something were to change on those platforms and maybe you aren't seeing payouts for a long portion of time, that ruins your cash flow. Like StockX struggling to make payouts or delaying payouts three weeks could really hurt your reselling business. Developing a social presence to build a customer base, to build repeat customers, to establish reputability is huge in sneaker reselling. I'm sure you're aware of certain sneaker resellers because their reputability has gotten them to work with celebrities, athletes, and more from that presence of authentic and good service. In addition, it can help you find a plug or connect on a different side of the country to help you with releases. Creating that network is huge, and it can all start with a social presence, even though you're just staying in your bedroom, sending comments, posting photos, taking good product shots for these sneakers. And then lastly, I would suggest starting slow and analyzing your data. By starting slow, I would say maybe start with two or three pairs see how that goes. Do another two or three pairs. See how that goes. Scale up five to 10 pairs because it's very easy to go broke very quick reselling sneakers. That's what no one wants to say. 
but we'll go back to that example. Maybe your first idea to resell sneakers was, wow, there's 15 pairs of these Air Jordan 3 Unite Reds, the red colorway. I'm going to buy these, sit on these, and they're going to go up $100, $200, and I'm going to make a nice piece of revenue and a nice profit. So you buy them at $200 a pair. You spent $2,000. You bought 10 pairs. Now they're reselling for $180. Now your revenue from those sales is $1,800 revenue. So that's not including fees. So you've already lost $200. Then let's say fees take off another $200 and you spent $1,600. You've lost $400, which is a big chunk if you're starting and may be discouraging. So that is just in that revenue profit breakdown. You also want to calculate how much work did it take to get those 10 pairs of shoes? How much time? How much gas did you have to travel? What was shipping like? All those different things factor in. You see these numbers where people are saying, I make $100,000 a year, but that's revenue. What are they making in true profit? And what are they paying themselves weekly or monthly? And what is your goal to get there? At the end, if you start slowly, you can look at it and say, was it worth it? Because yeah, it's a thrilling ride to buy a pair of Travis Scott ones and sell them for $1,000. Easy. But that's not the case all the time. Say you're putting in 60 hours a week to make a profit of $500. You're making less than minimum wage. And that time may be suited elsewhere. Maybe it's not for you. Making those decisions is a big part of sneaker reselling. At the end of the day, the final tips come out to being understanding your location and your market, understand the hustle that you're going after, whether that's thrifting or exclusive releases or working your way up, immersing yourself and sneaker research and culture in the community, starting to buy product, developing a social presence, Instagram, Twitter, a website. And then lastly, starting slow and analyzing that data. Those are the foundation of sneaker reselling. There's sub branches from there talking about sneaker bots, subscriptions, reservation services, a ton of different ways you can go about sneaker reselling. But that's the basics. There's no tried and true simple method of doing it unless everyone would do it. Those people who are making $100,000 a month or a year are working hard and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years to get to that point. So make sure when you are entering the reselling business, you're doing your due diligence to enter the community. Because if you don't, you could get blackballed. You're charging too much for your prices. You get clowned on the internet. You become unreputable. No one wants to buy from you in your Facebook group because you're taxing on your prices or your customer service isn't great. Ton of variables that go into it. But if it's something you're thinking about, give it a shot, start slow, see if it's for you. I hope you guys enjoyed that sneaker basic segment on how to flip and resell sneakers. If you are a reseller, go ahead and reach out to me. Come on the show. We can talk about it, talk about some of the pros and cons. If you're thinking about reselling, I'd love to hear why you're thinking about it. Or if you don't like resellers, I'd love to hear that as well. As always, if you enjoyed this segment, make sure to follow the show. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to get back to cool content and upcoming releases. 
If you like what you've heard so far, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram at keeping stock and Twitter at keeping underscore stock. Further, social media is always found in the show notes and other cool things that are going on with the Keeping Stock podcast. But the best place to find that is going to be following us on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. So to start cool content, as I mentioned, basketball's back. That's great. We're seeing new colorways. We're seeing players back in action. We're seeing League Fifth. But what I wanted to divert to is the Union Force. A large outcry from the sneaker community, culture, sneaker connoisseurs on the design of the four, mostly revolving around the tongue. We haven't seen official pictures yet. We've seen a few from reputable sources. We've seen two colorways, and I'm not sure how I feel about them. I don't think it feels as unique and fresh as the Union ones. I think it is a new take on the Jordan 4 in terms of materials. The color blocking is a little peculiar. I mean, the folded tongue, going back to that, not sure how it looks realistically on foot because all I've seen is far away in hand shots. I haven't seen any on foot. I haven't seen official photos, so I'm not going to judge it yet. I like the use of materials and the translucent lace wings, but it just seems almost as a letdown. I think not to Union's fault. I think Union started with such a strong idea because you have to. If you want a collaboration with Jordan and you want another one, you can't throw a dud out there to begin with. Imagine if Travis Scott would have started with the Nike Air Max 270. It would have been a dud. The Travis hype may have not been what it is today. Or if it started with the Jordan 33 for Travis Scott. And that's how it works. So Union started with an absolute fresh take on a very popular silhouette that brought it into the modern era and was different than what we saw with Off-White. But these Union 4s look, I don't know if it's cheap or lazy. It just looks like it's missing an element. And as I read on Twitter at Rack, host of Playground Politics, made a good point, and maybe this is a type of social marketing, and maybe this isn't how the shoe actually looks. We won't know, and that's where I think is a good idea, as the same they did with their flea market video for the Union Ones, where people believe they were fake, and put Sean Watherspoon in there to really sell it. We'll see what it turns out to be, but I know for a fact everyone that's saying, ah, these are trash, they can throw these away, I don't want them. Those are the same people that are going to come into that union bubble, purchase a shoe, and just for resale. It's not going to be easy to cop at all. This is one case where you don't want to let the internet fool you. It's going to be extremely difficult to purchase. I hope that the apparel that comes out with these is flames as well. I like the last collection of Union Jordan apparel. Wasn't able to get my hands on any. I like the sweatshirts, the sweat shorts. We'll see what they do here and make a unique experience for the sneaker. But only time will tell. Now we're going to take a look at the upcoming releases for August. I can't believe it's August already. August 2nd through August 8th. Starting with the Air Jordan 1 High OG in woman's snake colorway. The snake details. Pretty cool minimal Jordan 1. Add some texture to the shoe. I think 
again, it might be an extra color that wasn't necessary. Great to see women get another Jordan 1, but I could be speaking for a lot of people. Don't want to put the words in the mouths of people, but I'm sure women would just like an original colorway exclusive for them because as men always get these exclusive colorways may go into family sizing. I think the snake one is still falls in line with, to me, the violets and the pastels and the more feminine colors where it appears the trend is women's sneakerheads don't really want that. Yeah, there's some here and there, but that's not what they necessarily want. Those come out on August 6th. We then see the Air Jordan 1 High OG Co. Japan, all silver, Jordan 1. Here's a great example. I'm sure women want this shoe. It may be tough to get because I'm not sure if it's going to come in full family sizing. This shoe is going to sell out extremely quick. These first unofficial photos look great. Quality looks great. Pretty minimal colorway. I'm personally not going to go after them. Not my vibe, but not a bad shoe. That comes out on August 7th. Then we see the Reebok Question Mid Iverson in Harden colorway. So it's in Rockets colorway with a black upper white on the midsole and the toe. Very cool concept. I think people are really stoked to see the Iverson line get some air back into it. And we're seeing a lot of these question mids come out again. Those come out on the 7th. Then we will see on the 8th, the Air Jordan 12 Indigo. Pretty standard Air Jordan 12 colorway. White toe with the Indigo upper. Not for me, but people always love 12s. I don't really ever see 12 sitting too often. I don't expect these to sit as well. On the 8th, we will also see another Gatorade Nike PG4. A ton of PG4 colorways. There's some out there that I really like. Maybe they'll go to discount because we've seen a lot of performance Nike basketball shoes go to discount this year, which is great. But I'm not going to buy a performance basketball shoe made for indoor play as I don't know when rec league or competitive league basketball is going to open up in my area. And my Kyrie's only got three-fourths of a season wear out of them, so there's still some life in there. And then I have a ton of others as well. We also see the Philippines Titan Nike LeBron 17 low on August 8th in all red. And that will round out the sneaker releases for that week. Nothing too impressive. Uh, We'll start getting some stuff coming out as back to school is when we'll see another wide variety of colorways if schools open back up right now it seems like they may i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode love to hear what your thoughts are on sneaker basics and the reselling aspect or another sneaker basics episode you may want in the future once again thanks to dj for last week's episode it's absolutely crushing it. a ton of great feedback drop some real gems on turning your hobby into a hustle Some of that being sneaker reselling, some of that being smart investments. So if you haven't, go and check that out. That's last week's episode. I thank you guys for your time. I appreciate you for listening and I'll catch you next week.